Big Farva. Nobody can play in the corner. Hey, is any of this sinking in? Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. You're dead. D, 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 dead. What's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? You mean shenanigans? No. You're talking about shenanigans, right? I feel a change. Back to a better day. Hair stands on the back of my neck. Wildness is the preservation of the world. So seek the wolf in thyself. Shapeshift, nose to the wind. Shapeshift, feeling I have been. Move swift, all senses clean. Earth's gift, back to the meeting of wolf and man. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this rendition episode, turning of the 35 millimeter podcast. I am Tracy Newport, and with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Matthew Thomas. <laughs> the look of disbelief on Matt's face calling him a brother from another mother. Oh, this is that whole quote, because I, I, I know Metallica, but I don't know much Metallica. Oh, that is from track number five off their 1991 album, the Black Album of Wolf and Man, and that should be a hint into what we're talking about tonight. Really? I think the better way to introduce this movie is this quote. Well, I'm sorry that I can't be the right kind of monster for you, Bella. I was like, is that a quote from Beauty and the Beast? What? I was starting to think of what it was. Oh, Lord. You know what? I think I would take Benicio Del Toro over. Oh, Taylor Lautner, werewolf. That or any insert any one of the quotes you can find about werewolves and Skyrim. Oh yeah. <laughs> At least it's not arrow to the knee. <laughs> I totally derailed your train of thought with that quote. <laughs> so the reason I'm derailed right now is because we have this guy we know who was incredibly obsessed with Skyrim. Probably still is for all I fucking know. He still is. I think he has purchased it for PS5. Holy shit. So anyway, he wouldn't shut up saying arrow to the knee. And it's like, what, the game came out in what, 2010? 11? Still, like over 10 years ago. Yeah. And we heard him say this like, for a good three years. If you listen closely, you can still hear him say it today. Yeah. And man, shit. People buying Skyrim on PS5 is garbage it's, to me. It's just a little bit prettier. At a point, it's just pointless. But at least this one, you don't get all the glitches in it. Yo. But the glitches made the game. On today's show, we're going to look at the Wolfman from 2010, directed by Joe Johnston. Uh, you probably know him from some things like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, yeah, I remember that movie vaguely growing up. I don't remember. And that movie will traumatize you if you were a kid when that ant dies in the movie. You would probably know him more from Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, I did that movie quite well. He's also done other things. Jumanji. Know that movie pretty well. Was supposed to work on the fourth Chronicles of Narnia, 
And then that series got tanked. Yeah. Well, I remember the first one was big. The second one had a lot of promotion. And then the third one just you know, happened. Is an immaculate conception. And then just went away. Uh, and con- currently he's working on a new Disney Plus show for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Hopefully it's going to be infinitely better than the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids TV show. Yeah. Are they going to get Brick Moranis back for it? I don't know. I wouldn't expect him to show back up. I know. Maybe just a small cameo. Maybe. Uh, he may do that. Man, Rick Moranis. Well, finding out why he left, it's very understandable. I mean, it makes sense why he left. I mean, he w- left to take care of his kid, kids. and But didn't his wife have a brutal battle of cancer? And then... Yeah. And which yeah. I don't blame him for that. I don't, no, of course not. And then, of course, he starts just recently in the past few years, started trying to make a comeback. Like he was in that commercial with Ryan Reynolds. I don't think I've seen that commercial. It's pretty funny. It's pretty cool to see him back. And then mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden, this asshole in New York just punches him. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing the news articles about that. Yeah. Uh, back to Joe Johnston. Did you know that he has two acting credits? Nope. He played a very small role in a very small movie called Star Wars. Yeah, that's just some indie film. Yeah. And then later, he was in the sequel. Empire Strikes Back. What role did he play? Just a random droid? Yeah. No, it was like a random soldier or something um, like that. That George Lucas promptly named the milk for some toy credit. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, he actually does have a name. Oh, except for one, his Star Wars character, it, New Hope character, was not named. It was De- He was a Death Star trooper. Yeah. And, well, just ca- Sorry, go ahead. And Empire... He was Captain Sean Valdez, the Hoth Rebel. Hmm. And he did do a write an episode of the classic cartoon Star Wars droids. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw that. Back to the Wolfman. It was written by Andrew Kevin Walker. Uh, mo- the movie that stuck out to me that I knew him from was Seven with Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Is uh, it? The Sex Pest, Kevin Spacey. I've never seen that. Isn't that an M. Night Shyamalan movie? Oh, hell no. No, fuck no. (laughs) It's a a really good movie. Um, Uh It's about the seven deadly sins and a serial killer. Oh, gotcha. He was also wrote Slippy Hollow with Johnny Depp. I was about to ask the word Johnny Depp. I've never seen that either. And then he wrote a movie called Eight Millimeter. Never... I actually went to the movies to go see this. It was really uh-huh. good uh, with Nick Cage. And he's looking into like underground snuff films. And it was just really odd for him to do that movie. Another writer on this is David Self. Wrote Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks. 13 Days about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh-huh. And the remake of The Haunting that came out in, I think, 99. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think I might have seen no something else. That's something, something October. They also credit Kurt Seald Mac. This is a prolific horror film and TV writer. 
uh-huh. he wrote the original Wolfman, The Invisible Man Returns. Frankenstein means the Wolfman. And since they use a lot, this movie uses a lot of his story that uh, they had to give him credit, even though he had died like a long time ago. Yeah. Or we base it off of the credit there, right? Or does it actually show in the screenwriter like human as a screenwriter for it? Well, you said written by and it's got the three names. Oh, gotcha. Did you know, though, Tracy, that this is not the last movie to do poorly, critically and commercially to win a best makeup Oscar? No, I did not know that. There was another one that did that. Oh, Suicide Squad. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Took me a second, but I figured it out. Yeah, I was, whenever I was like, wait, this, well, to be fair, Suicide Squad didn't do bad commercially, but it should have. It created a star in Margot Robbie. Clearly the best thing about that movie. And I'm glad yeah. that she was able to do Birds of Prey. Yeah, and didn't James Gunn. It's also not the only werewolf movie to win Best Makeup. What's the other one? The other one is a movie which was really popular in the 80s, called American Werewolf in, in London. I remember, I remember that had Michael J. Fox in it, didn't it? No, that was Teen Wolf. <sighs> now, this was a John Landis movie, which, fuck, that dude. That one was actually supposed to be much more horror-based. No, it, well, it was horror comedy. It was uh, like more, I mean, it's a good movie. It's just that John Landis is a, Tool. Not is not a, a good person if you look up his whole thing with the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, I don't even know who really is. So uh, he directed. So this movie is a remake of the 1941 classic, The Wolfman, with Lon Chaney as the titular character. And the this is a you know a very popular movie among people like that love horror movies. Like if you like Frankenstein, if you like the Universal Monsters, if you like Frankenstein, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, um, Dracula, the, I mean, this is a part of that line of movies that came out yeah. in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, like they really enjoyed the original one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ain't nobody enjoying this. Was this supposed to be part of the Universal Monsters? No, no. This was your. This was not supposed to be part of the Dark Universe. Okay. They were thinking of doing a sequel, like with Hugo Weaving that we'll talk about later. But they ended up doing like a direct-to-DVD movie instead. Gotcha. This movie was released by Relatively... This movie was released by Relatively... God damn it. Relativity? Yes, that word. It was released by Relativity Media, and they started right out the gate with some less well-known movies uh, like mm-hmm. RV with Robin Williams. I've seen that movie. But they also, then they started getting into it with like Tokyo Drift. Mm-hmm. And they did, I think they did another Fast and Furious, but they did Monster House. Then they really hit it big with Talladega Nights. They do a lot of uh, Adam Sandler and company movies as well as mm-hmm. Will Ferrell. Well, since they've kind of filled their niche to do shitty Adam Sandler comedies. I mean, not so you haven't coaching. seen you haven't seen the Ridiculous Six, have you? I have seen the Ridiculous Six. Jesus, fuck that movie! 
yeah, that movie, like, okay. Uh, <laughs> here's a tangent. Um, so I see why Adam Sandler was brought up on Netflix is because he was the no- most number one searched person at the time they brought him in for movies of his because none of his stuff was available on Netflix. So they brought his production company in to produce. I think they did three movies of which I've seen two of them I know of, which was that The Ridiculous Six, which was dumb as shit. Um, and then you had the one with David Spade in it too, like him and Jennifer Aniston's his bank's account and accountant or whatever that movie's okay but i like adam sandler movies and matt does not <laughs> no i do i just don't there's he after a certain point he just got to the we're doing this for the vacation only yeah well like grown-ups one and two are great i think fantastic grown-ups who i don't grown-ups is okay but a lot of these especially these netflix movies i think a lot of people mm-hmm. Has high have high praise for the one he did with Jennifer Aniston. I didn't really like it. I know Hubie Halloween is not good to me. Uh-huh. Now uh-huh. he's, but then he did Uncut Gems, which is actually really good. Also, I think his production company is involved in the the Sean Payton movie. I don't know if you saw that with Kevin James, the Who movie. There's a movie based on Sean Payton's time when he was suspended from the NFL for a year. Wait, what? Yes. How do I not know about this? It's Home Team. Uh, it's the name of the movie. It's on Netflix. It's it's dumb as hell. It's it's oh, it it's came a out kid this movie. year. Oh, okay, yeah. And of course, it's got Taylor Lautner and Rob Snyder. Ugh. This is a big. This would be a big skip for me. It's it's goofy. It's nothing serious. It's not bad. So you ready? To crack open, crack open this movie. I am. Let's crack it open. So we open with the reading of a headstone, and pretty much says that even a pure man can become a wolf. When they said that, I thought of the line from Lord of the Rings: "I am no man." Not ringing the bell with me. Eowyn. Uh huh. When she said, "I am no man," killing the Witch King. Because they said no man can kill the Witch King. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Oh, gotcha. And unintentionally, that ends up being true. Yes. So it transitions to this moon. And then you see some really just not good looking CGI with the trees. Like if they had just done, like let the artists go for another week, it would have been better. So those trees were CGI? Yes. And that's, again, that's not the fault of the CGI artists. Behind the scenes featurette, which I found on YouTube, they really talk up how good the CG was done in this movie. And I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, you're starting to see nowadays like a hard, like you wouldn't think about it, like movies in the mid 2000s, the late 2000s, CGI looking bad. But then when you compare them to CGI today, you can obviously see that there is a drastic change in quality in the 15 years or so since those movies have come out. Like the only one that really holds up CGI wise that was released over a decade ago is Avatar. I can go back even further to 1993. What? Jurassic Park. A lot of that though was CG mixed with real. And it, it still stands up and that's 
that's the issue is that a lot of these movie companies are just like crank out the movie. If you give it a, a little bit of time for the CG artists to do their thing and include it with reality, like props and stuff, then it really does look good. That's how it makes CG such a useful tool. But whenever you're relying on it, it really looks bad. Yeah. Like there were parts in here. It's like that CGI does not look good or just looks bad. But like, I didn't really pay much attention to trees because I just assumed that was like a shot on location thing and didn't even look for anything on the CGI or any like look to see if anything was off. Well, we're looking after we get to the tree through the trees, we see some chap walking in 1891 in the middle of the woods looking for someone. He's got this cane. He's dressed like knockoff Sherlock. Then they do this stupid jump scare with some birds and immediately yeah. follow with the wo- a wolf slashing the fuck out of him. And this where like the blood didn't look that good. It was kind of uh-huh. big. Come to find out it is Ben Talbot. And this is played by Simon Morales, who was Crassus in Spartacus. That's really the only thing I've known him in. I've yet to see Spartacus. Oh, Ben. Runs away, screaming and giving his location away, just right there in the middle of the woods to what just attacked him. So it's like, hey, look, I'm here. Come find me again. As he's bleeding. And yeah, that goes straight into the title card. I didn't really. And this one issue with the movie I had was that they either tease the wolf or don't. Yeah. And there was a couple of times like where they do like a split second show they show the wolf and instead of doing that they should have like used shadows and other things if they wanted to tease until the right time to show the wolf yeah like they don't really show the wolf until the very end do they pretty much yeah so we get some more narration like i don't know why they could they probably could have done this narrate letter narration with the opening seen or not done the reading of the headstone because they only wanted to include it because it was part of it was actually in the original wolfman movie yeah is it how they got like see it's tied to it because look at it yeah pretty much this is ben's fiance gwen played by emily blunt she's really got a lot of good roles here in the past several years with the quiet place movies or i haven't seen them but i know what you're talking about and Mary Poppins Returns, which we talked about with Ben Wishaw last week. Yeah. And, of course, she was just recently in that really not good Jungle Cruise movie with The Rock. Oh, it's bad. I haven't even watched that one yet. <laughs> it's not good. She says that she believes Ben wrote his brother about her, which uh, would be hilarious if not. But come to find out later that she that he did know about her and was kind of obsessed with her. Yeah. And then, that that whole story between who you don't find out until oh god until like near the end of the movie her name is Gwen and then with uh Lawrence like that whole hand that whole story arc between the two felt ha- felt hand-fisted. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that. That's that's a good one. But she tells him that Ben is gone and she waited weeks to write him. So was she really concerned about him being gone? In the defense of a little bit of this movie, like they said they couldn't find his body for a long time. And it seemed like Lawrence had a very strange relationship with Ben and his father. Yeah, but if um 
if your brother went missing, wouldn't you want to know as soon as possible? I mean, yeah, I'd want to fucking know. But if the wife or fiance doesn't let me know for four months that he's gone missing, I mean, what the fuck can I do about it? This is the modern day, like, or this is the 1800s version of you have to wait three days to report someone missing bullshit. And the only reason she's writing him is because he's in the same country. So if she had let, or if he wasn't in the country, was she going to just be like, well, nothing we can do. Yeah. He was a traveling actor that was yeah. in the States doing what Henry VIII, wasn't it? Or some Shakespearean play, but this is where we're introduced to Mr. John Talbot played by Benicio del Toro been in a lot of prominent roles recently with the Sicario series, the collector in Marvel movies, DJ and last Jedi There's also che-, che Guevara. And then we've, I've brought up snatch before and he was in that. Uh-huh. And he was also in a bond movie that I didn't know. And I've owned, I own all bond movies. What bond movie was he in? License to Kill with Timothy, Timothy Dalton. Huh. I own all of these and got a really good deal on them too. So yeah. I got, I have a massive movie collection on my, through streaming, about 500 movies. I think it's up to right now. And I got the Bond collection through a glitch whenever Voodoo accidentally put it for $9.99. So I paid 10 bucks for 24 movies. You didn't even think about that twice. No, I didn't. I was I I was just up at like the right time because they usually refresh prices for deals and stuff around 2 a.m. And I was just looking and on Reddit or something and I caught it. No, I wasn't on Reddit. It was on in a Facebook group. And everybody started saying, Hey, look, look, bond is down to 10 bucks. And sure as hell it did. I wouldn't have cared if it would put me in the negative. Oh, yeah. That's a purchase you make. No questions asked. Just okay, yeah. here we go. Yep, exactly. They excuse Benicio being in this movie because he was sent off to the United States when he was a kid. So he doesn't have a, an English accent. Yeah. And that was like their workaround for this. But then we get Del Toro returning home and we're looking at the lifestyles of the rich and famous deserted edition creepy ass fucking house yeah creepy ass fucking house if i was in old money i would love to have it i mean it's just a a dreary version of a sean connery's house from uh lee of extraordinary gentlemen and don't break up that movie to me (laughs) fuck that movie fuck fuck everything about that movie i'm really getting tired of people on social media always reassessing movies and being like oh this is actually good no it actually isn't I've always enjoyed that movie, so... Anyways, <laughs> fucking Cujo shows up and starts trying to attack Del Toro. He has a gun pulled on him, and it is Daddy Anthony Hopkins playing John Talbot. And he's been in, I mean, so much shit. I was going to say, I feel like Anthony Hopkins was one of those actors. Just say his name, and everybody immediately knows him for some role because he's just so prominent. Really would hope and, so. And so well done. Because he's... Fantastic actor. I mean, if you've ever watched a Brit like early movies, A Bridge Too Far, Elephant Man, The Bounty, Silence of the Lambs, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, Red Dragon, free uh, some lesser known movies, which I fully admit, Free Jack is a terrible movie, but he's in it. Thor, he's Odin. Yes, he's Odin in the MCU. He was in Meet Joe Black, Max Zorro, Transformers. 
it's not the first time he's ever been in a reimagining or remake of a classic horror movie or novel. He yeah. was most famously as Van Helsing in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which came out in the early 90s. Okay, my mind went to the Kate Beckinsale, Hugh Jackman one for a second. <laughs> I was just like, he's in that one? <laughs> no, no. He was in the good one. But he, this was the one with Gary Oldman as Dracula. Oh, hell, that's really, probably a... It's an amazing... Like, I love that movie. Oh, I can imagine. It sounds really good. But when you say Bram Stoker's Dracula and you're talking about movies, you know which one you're talking about, really. That's how you identify which one that is. Yeah. Because if you're talking about, say, Dracula, as when you're talking about movies, you know you're talking about the Bela Lugosi classic. Uh-huh. Or if you're talking about... Hammer Horror Dracula. You know, you're talking about Christopher Lee being in Dracula. Gotcha. You're, you're, a, big, you're a big metalhead, aren't you, Tracy? Uh-huh. Do you ever listen to Christopher Lee metal? I have heard it a few times. Is it good? <laughs> no, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I, think he's got, I think he's got a song called like Death of a Soxon Man or something like that. It's, it's, it's so bad. Man, he doesn't I- actually sing. He just kind of says stuff. Through and throughout, he says the lyrics. I, I love Christopher Lee, like may he rest in peace. But when he did the metal album, I'm like, What are you doing, man? Because he's a metalhead, he wanted to put his fingers in that pie because he's apparently done every fucking thing else in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as I mean, shit. But you know, wasn't he a soldier? He was a war, yeah, he yeah. was a war. I mean, did too. he know talking? Like, I don't think he knew Tolkien, but he was in World War II. In fact, the unit he was in was one of the preliminary units prior was like one of the units that became the foundation for SAS. And there's even a report, I don't know, you probably know it about Lord of the Rings. And when Peter Jackson was, when he gets stabbed from behind, Peter Jackson was like, I want you to act like this. And he's like, have you ever stabbed a man before? You ever heard him die as he was stabbed? And Peter Jackson's like, no. And Christopher's like, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, it's like, no, bitch, I've been stabbed or I yeah. have stabbed. So you yeah, haven't. Like, I'll tell you how it goes. If there's a list of badass motherfuckers from World War II that became famous later on in life, it's like Christopher Lee and Audie Murphy are like one and two. This is the first time in years that Anthony Hopkins has seen his son, Del Toro. And he is he just immediately starts being a smart ass to him. Yeah, I'd have been like he starts out with a line like, lo and behold, the prodigal stunt son returns. And I'm like, I'd have been turning around and leaving. I'd be like, no, fuck you, dude. Yeah. Like Anthony Hopkins does such a great job of playing the estranged asshole father to him. I was folks, you do not have to cozy up to your family unless it's for money. You can cut them out of your life if they're toxic people. And I sure as hell would have. And they start talking about the missing brother. And he's just like, oh, yeah, they've been, they found him. He's dead, whatever. And then we meet uh, Singh, the servant, who's played by Art Malik, who is another Bond alumni with The Living Day- Daylights. So another Timothy Dalton movie. Hmm. But you'll, most people will recognize him if they've ever seen James Cameron's True Lies. Gotcha. He's the main baddie in that. All right. I've never seen that. Oh, so good. I mean, for an action movie, it's good. And then Anthony Hopkins walks to play the piano and Del Toro goes off to see the body where he goes to this weird butcher shop. I'm I'm assuming it's a butcher shop, but it might have been the only place cool enough to even slightly slow down the uh, the decay of the body, which was already, as you could tell, when the brother was revealed, is already in pretty bad shape to begin with. But I think this is the... 
biggest and best butcher shop in town because that's a lot of sides of beef just to be hang, hang have hanging up. Man, there's a lot of bacon. Yeah. Come to find out, Toturo hasn't really been around his brother his whole life. And he looks at the body and they just a split second, just like with the wolf earlier, like split second. That's all you see. Like, I, I couldn't even pause it whenever I was watching this. Yeah. And he goes to the bar and Del Toro's getting drunk while some old white man discussed the death. So it had to have happened fairly recently. Yeah. And they, it's more than just the brother that's died. It's other people, apparently. Uh-huh. That they this is where they introduce this. And but there's there's this old white man that's blaming it on the Romani people. And because we're not going to use the word that they used throughout that entire ass movie, derogatory term. But he also adds more colorful and racist language to it. And some guy tells him they're wrong because his paw saw it and melted silver, while other guys dismiss it as a bear attack. Yeah, well, the guy who said his paw to miss silver, he he linked it back to there was an attack 25 years ago with similar gruesome killings and that his old man got spooked by it and went and melted down silver because of the local folklore of said creature could be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But he goes back home and this is where the Toro meets with Emily Blunt for the first time. He gives her his brother's last belongings and she begs him to find out what happened. I'm still trying to figure out what knowledge he has about investigation like dude you an actor go act yeah did she uh say this is when she also brought in scotland or an event inspector from outside or is it later in the movie that happens later okay but he goes to lay in the study and discusses with daddy anthony hopkins tells del toro that his brother was negotiating with this roma or romani group and they look at the moon and this is like some like extended like imagine bruce almighty's moon it's fucking huge yeah that was pretty massive and the whole thing that brought the discussion about with trying to find what led him to talk to the roma people was that his brother had a medallion that had an unidentified saint for lawrence on it and his dad told him that it was an Eastern saint. So but, assuming under East, Eastern Orthodoxy. And this is where his dad now says that he's glad he's home. And that's a big load of bullshit. Well, he says he's glad he's home and stay inside tonight. Don't go out. Yeah, but he's lying. He don't want him home. And now we get to bedtime. And Toro's walking by a room when he suddenly hears whispers. And we get this weird-ass flashback of kids playing around their mom in Popeye the Sailor Man gear. Yeah, sounds really weird. Um, Would you ever dress your kids in shit like that? No. No. I mean, I would because I'm a great parent, but I'm also a parent that likes to laugh. I trip to an extent sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Like, imagine Ralphie in the fucking bunny outfit type of laughing. Oh, I remember that bunny outfit. Because that mom absolutely made him do it just so she could look at him and laugh. And we get this weird effect that's strobe-like. Strobe-like. That wasn't really anywhere else in the movie. Uh Uh-huh. And the best way to describe this strobe effect is Chronicles of Riddick. I can kind of see that. In in the fight scene, whenever, like, 
he's in one side, one place, and then he moves to another, and it kind of like strobes over. The kid who is Del Toro goes outside. He walks by some animal hedges that are apparently alive because we have to include that sound effect, which is like, okay, now you're kind of getting ridiculous. And it was a cool effect of seeing blood appearing on the walk by the pool. Yeah. Which that was like, they put practical blood, like blood stuff, uh, mixture on those and then made them look like they just appeared. And that's where like CG and real life blending together looks good. And then we see, lo and behold, his mom's dead and in Anthony Hopkins arms and she's holding a razor. With her throat slit. Yeah. And he's got this DH makeup thing going on. And I'm just like, let's not. It's a totally skippable scene to me. Uh-huh. Next morning, it's funeral time. And y'all just call me and tell me when it's over because Christ, I, I hate all the pop and circumstance to funerals. Yes. And that one has the long dirge march from the town to the yeah. crypts. And-, and this is like 1800s kind of thing. So. A lot of people believe that they're going to rise from the dead eventually and some shit like that. Horse on the carriage. And, and they, so Del Toro goes for a walk into the woods and meet, runs into Gwen. And this is where we find out that he was, af- that he was sent to an asylum after his mom died. And then he was sent to his aunt in America because Anthony Hopkins is reminded of his now dead wife because of del toro and it's like that's how children work if he yeah. didn't look like his mom or his dad probably need a paternity need a paternity test or some babies got swapped at the hospital or yeah. the doctor swapped them um man that reminds he- me of a weird ass fucking reddit thread i read just recently where a woman uh-huh. there was something they had to do a paternity test uh-huh. on her kid and come find out it wasn't it wasn't daddy so he thought she was cheating on had cheated on him shit <laughs> and she was like no i haven't no i haven't no i haven't they were like ready to divorce uh-huh. come to find out that hospital swapped that damn swapped that baby oh shit like five years ago fuck I, i've been like oh hell no I mean, but then you're like, do you keep the kids you've been raising as your own or? Yeah, that, exactly, that, man. I don't, a, I don't, I don't waste that kind of shit on my worst enemy. No, that's horribleness. And then at this point, Gwen, Emily Blunt just leaves the movie and says bye for a little bit. Yeah. Just kind of like deuces and just, I'm heading back to London. She uh, was like, I'm, peace movie up. I mean, even though, she's, anything. even though she's forced to come back. Like she yeah. really tries to escape this movie several times and I kind of see it. Like I, I don't blame her. I just keep bringing her back in. Uh, and again, another shot of this ridiculous ass moon Hopkins is telling Del Toro that he doesn't want to lose him and talks about the moon or some shit warning about it. Yeah. This is where he warns don't go out during the full moon. Yeah. He's implying that he, he knows what's up. Yeah. And so they get to this uh, Roma camp. Where, because Del Toro's like, fuck that. I ain't, I'm not going to stay in peace. And I'm going to go investigate, add it to my resume. Now I'm not only an actor, I'm a, I'm a private investigator and goes to this camp to inquire about the medallion you brought up. And we see while he's there that he meets the fortune teller Maliva, who starts yeah. to kind of 
tell him his future tarot cards. And he's like, no, just tell me about the medallion. Tell me about my brother. Yeah. But then we don't hear it because there's a mob coming for the bear. Because again, earlier people thought that it was a bear attack. Then all of a sudden we see like this pretty cool kill by something when a dude is just walking up and suddenly taken out and he falls to the ground, which I'm like, this is the middle of everyone and nobody saw anything happen. Yeah. Again, this is split seconds, like Sonic the Hedgehog style, like editing with some of these kills and with the wolf that we'll talk about. But the bear, I want to touch on the bear. It's a fucking cub. It's fucking horrendous looking is what it is. And there's a reason for that. Why? Because, well, first off, have you ever seen Brother Bear? No. Okay. It looks like that, but worse. Uh Uh-huh. But actually, this is recycled footage from the 2007 dud Golden Compass. Really? Yes. They took the polar bear and they just put... Like fur on it? and just Fur on it. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm like, come, come on now. And that's why it looks like even worse. And this is where I get to talk about that CGI. Um, it's like it doesn't look natural, like remotely natural next to this person. And I guess I'm just not as sensitive to sh- CGI as you are because I didn't even notice it. Like if I'm in, into the movie, if sometimes it doesn't bother me, like uh-huh. good example is or just recently Miss Marvel. Yeah. Whenever she's jumping around in the final episode, like it's like if you go back and watch it, it's bad. But I'm into that show and I'm Uh like, I'm not paying attention to that or certain fight scenes with. uh, Well, now it looks horrible, but Matrix Revolution. Yeah, Matrix. Matrix. Matrix Reloaded. Well, Matrix Reloaded, especially whenever Neo fights all the Agent Smiths. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> like back then, it I, I mean, you're like, oh hell yeah, I oh shit, he's gonna go into it with a hundred fucking Agent Smiths. And yeah, you go back and look at it now, woof, woof. Yeah, that, if that the CGI in that film parts of it did not hold up well. And then you <laughs> see this really gnar- gnarly kill, like in the, I think it's right here where the werewolf like sticks his claws up this dude's face. Yeah, and out like, through, through his mouth. His, yeah, out through his mouth, and this. Guy has ties to other another werewolf movie, which I thought was pretty interesting. This is David Schofield. He was uh-huh. in American Werewolf in London. Huh. He was also Falco and Gladiator and Mercer in Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. I don't remember Mercer. And, and there's some weird ass IMDB trivia associated with David Schofield that I thought was hilarious. And yeah. it says in here like David Schofield made a similar appearance in. American Werewolf in London. This movie is also about an American Werewolf in London. The lighters like, what and the lighters. fuck, man? Like they really like IMDb trivia really needs to clamp down on how trivia is submitted for this fucking thing because that was shit. Yeah. And now we have now we have random pieces of arms gone. The police get a so Del Toro saves this woman who then runs to save a kid. And he's running up this hill to what looks like fucking Stonehenge. Yeah. And got some foggy ass English weather. What the fuck? Well, not right now. Like, cause there's no fucking moisture in the UK. 
well, let alone the United States or anywhere else. It's 104 degrees Fahrenheit in England. God, well, yeah, and it's supposed to be like in the hundreds around here in our parts of the country. Yay, climate change, where we've just adapted to it, and it's, it's just not gonna real. And it's just going to melt shit in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Like it's melting an airport tarmac right now. <laughs> uh, like they're going to need fans and shit like that. They're going to need something. I mean, it really sucks. Like I'm, I'm not trying to downplay it. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at doomsayer. Me says we probably got a decade before we're traveling in bands looking for water. Oh, fucking turn into like dune. In, Like Morton Joe from fucking Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. They're just running around in circles around Stonehenge here until the wolf man bites him back and bites the fuck out of him. It takes a chunk out of his shoulder. Yeah. And he's, but he's saved by the guys. And this is where he goes, like the Romani save him. So they're, he's back at the Romani doctor who's trying to save him and this one woman tries to kill him while he's still a guy and then the romani people take him back to pappy well the doctor says like only love can save him now or some shit like uh he can only be released by someone who loves him like really contorted disney logic there yeah and there's this but when he gets back gets taken back there's this weird ass line delivery by hopkins saying holy mother of god and it's more like, holy mother of God, not holy shit. My son almost died. <laughs> like it's his last kid and he just couldn't be bothered. He's like, you are fucking with my plans or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, well, fuck, I guess you're now part of the crew. And this is where we get the second weird ass scene to me. Cause Del Toro is recovering and he sees you know, Emily Blunt taking care of him with some weird filters around her. And then we see a terrible Gollum lookalike contest winner. Yeah. Well, like I envisioned that whole ordeal of like some kind of like random ass fever dream, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's how I viewed that. It's just a random ass fever dream. Like he's not all there. He just bits and bunts of pieces, manic, just at random ass episodes of lucidity hitting him at times. Yeah, but it, I mean, again, these, these two, well, this scene kind of makes sense, but these are at the same time feel like they were added for filler. Yeah, which is the next morning he wakes up and there's this doctor checking on him to see he's healed. And Anthony Hopkins is pleased. Emily Blunt's come back into the movie again with another stanky ass comment about his son. And this is where we get the development of the love scene of the love triangle. They is it really a triangle with one participant's dead? The love triangle between Del Toro, Gwen, Emily Blunt, and Anthony Hopkins, who also loves her. Yeah, I get who's that. obsessed with her. Del Toro, you know, he's woke up, he's recovered, he's having a conversation with Singh. Something about curses, curse that these are bad curses or some shit. Come find out he's sticking around to because he likes to hunt monsters and has these fucking elephant side elephant bullets. 
with silver. Of, yeah, of silver. And he's like, sometimes monsters like you. So we get it to where Hugo Weaving is like, I'm ready to enter this movie. And he shows up. We've talked about him last time with Cloud Atlas. And he gets some really heroic ass music come whenever he gets out of his carriage. Yeah. Do you, do you hear this? No. It, it's just dum 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 Hugo. And he is a Scotland Yard investigator. And he interviews Del Toro, where he implies that he was part of the attacks that have been going on. And this is where uh, Benicio Del Toro hits back with Hugo not being able to solve the Ripper case because this character is based off of the real life investigator of Jack the Ripper. Yeah. And you kind of see the meeting of two minds here when Hugo's character is just like, I want you to be, oh, what was it? Inspected by my guy or looked over by my guy just because of. Or evaluated, that's like what he said, evaluated by my old man. And Benicio was like, no, not fucking happening. Sorry. It's like how they're, you know, on one hand, there's a group of people that have accepted that werewolves are exist in this universe. Like they can't pick yeah. whether or not do they exist or don't they? Like, or is it just all like they're just like, oh, yeah, they exist, whatever. We just got to find them. They believe in werewolves as much as needed for story's sake. Yeah. No more, no less. If they don't need to believe in werewolves for story's sake, they don't believe in them. But they need to believe in them to make for the story. They do. And so we get to another scene building the romance between Doturo and Emily Blunt. Because she is quick to move on after her fiancé died. I mean, the body's not on code at this point. No, the body's in the ground. And it's yeah. just... Because they're laughing and skipping rocks. And yeah, this whole thing just feels entirely forced. Oh, yeah. This, this entire relationship is hand-fisted as fuck. And it's just like, like it literally, her, her character arc goes, my husband died. Come, your, your brother and my fiance died. Come home and help find out what killed him. And she sees him like, I love you and I will be with you forever. Like, I feel like that's the evolution of her love romance with Benicio Del Toro's character. And all of a sudden, they hear some. He hears horses, which are far off, because he's got heightened. He's got some heightened senses. He's got Wolverine powers now. He's got wolf powers now. He's got Wolverine powers. He can regenerate. He can hear. He can see. He's just missing the claws. He's just missing the claws, which they might grow in. They might grow in like uh, in X Men Origins. You don't remember that opening scene in X Men Origins. Yeah, with their wood or their their bone claws. Yeah, their bone. Out. Yeah, I mean that's the thing entirely. They always well, I know, but it took forever before they revealed that he was a mutant. That, that well, that Wolverine's claws were actually yeah were made of him. Yeah. So he gets to the, you know, entrance to the compound, and there's a mob there waiting to take Del Toro, and this is where. Anthony Hopkins gets a little trigger happy and he's clearly ready to go guns blazing. He's like, let's, let's fucking do this. Yeah. It's like the only time in the film he shows any like love, any kind of emotion besides I hate you to his son. Yeah, pretty much. Even at the end. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And he says this really good line because he had lied about Singh being there. And yeah. Like, like he shot at him and busted like hurt somebody's eyes because he shot like a frat sculpture or something. 
And then he's like, she's on the roof. I'll take your issue out if you want to. Yeah, but if you come find out, like, there was no one there. Like, yeah, she was like, at the market. Yeah. And he says, he says to Del Toro, you're not the only one in the family that can act. And I was like, <laughs> ah, I get it. Like, uh-huh. And this is where we get another bonding moment between Emily Blunt and Del Toro, where she's, she shows up to trade his lip. And, and they play the classic five-year-old doctor game. And then he starts eyeballing her neck and lips. And he's about to do something, but then stops. He hears a heartbeat and... Well, yeah, no, he's like looking at her chest and getting out. Like he's ready to go with her and she's ready to he's, go with him too. So yeah, he, he's getting ready to save her. Yeah. In more way than one. And then he later tells her that she needs to get the fuck up out of this movie already. Cause he saw his wound is healed, fully healed. Yeah. Like they keep, they keep giving her ways to get out of this movie and she just keeps coming back. I mean, <sighs> She kind of has a role to play, though. I mean, she has to be there. Remember, as the Roma woman said at the beginning of his whole ordeal, turning into his whole ordeal that started this is only love can set the wolf man free. Yeah, but this is again, this like love is really quick. Oh, yeah. And then we get this montage because we're getting to night and it like just another like really not needed scene. Like everybody's getting ready to go after the wolf man. Well, I mean, it's you got the preacher preaching some random, like blaming the wolf man on their sins against God and how they have it's God's punishment for their failures. You know, like a good Southern Baptist preacher does sometimes. But this, like, if you want to do a montage like this, shouldn't this be like right before the climax of the movie? Well, I think they wanted to build up the town, getting ready to fight the wolf man. And then as we find out, it did jack all for him. And because of Anthony Hopkins and his strained relationship with his son, Anthony Hopkins has trained this dog to be like, fuck this dude too. Well, whenever Hugo Weaver character showed up first, uh, what the dog's name, Sebastian, I think. So, the dog, like the dog was close to Lawrence. Like he was actually like Lawrence and him were buddies for a bit. But I've noticed, you notice like when after Benicio Torres and Bit, the dog begins to be a little more friendlier, a little more not the alpha dog in the pack, if you get what I'm saying. Well, like at one point, he's like, I guess, because like at one, like now he's like, fuck this, fuck this dude. I'm not going to do anything with him. And this is like when Del Toro is like, oh my God, why isn't this dog wanting to do something with me? And we get Hugo waving, walking into a pub. And that's where I, I was questioning, like, why do most wolf-centric movies, like wolf, werewolf movies, have a pub in it? The American Werewolf movie, or American Werewolf in London in Paris, that shitty-ass sequel, which that is terrible CG. <laughs> like, goddamn. Like, it's well, ter- more terrible than what we've talked about here. For, Dude, for the English well, ones, we can just say it's a pub, so it's a, every part of daily life for them. A woman walks up to him and berates him for not going out with him, too. And she's telling him that the Talbots are cursed. But he, but he's like, I'm just using the law of averages, woman. More people come yeah. around here, around this pub, than anywhere else. Yeah. Well, I, I wrote this quote down because it's interesting. And he goes, 214 of the 309 residents of this town live within 500 meters of the pub. I mean, he's not wrong. 
the um, like, but the woman's like, don't just have it haul and get them fuckers up there. They're the cause of it all. And they're and, cursed. And then he, you know, decides to stay in the pub, have a pint and wait it over. God damn, I've been bringing up that fucking Shaun of the Dead quote so much over the past few weeks. What? Go to the Winchester, have a pint and wait it over. I've never seen Shaun of the Dead, so I never would have got to quote. Oh, that's what I've been saying. Like every time I've said that, that's what I mean. Oh, that's what it's from. You should really watch the Cornetto trilogy, Tracy, when you get a chance. What's the Cornetto trilogy? It's Shaun of the Dead. Uh, it's uh, all three of these movies were made by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. Uh-huh. That's Shaun of the Dead is the first one. Hot Fuzz is the second one. And The World's End is the third one. Okay. Like the Cornetto is a is a like an ice cream bar or some shit over uh-huh. in the UK and there's different colors. So like Shaun of the Dead is red and Hot Fuzz is blue and World's End is green. Gotcha. But it, it like it's there's no connection to the movies except for them being in it. But it's like I love them all. They're fun. So we get the nightfall. We get the full moon and Del Toro sees Anthony Hopkins going to the crypt where his wife is. I was going to say this shot of like Talbot Hall at this night shot reminded me of like a Dark Souls game, which is how everything's like just so in shadow. <laughs> and then you see, you see the silhouette of the guy walking into the tomb. And then as he follows his father, we find out his father in there and it's just like, well, this is creepy as fuck. And and then it's even creepier seeing the tomb that that Anthony Hawkins built to the mother, mm-hmm. and then the whole fucking catacomb built underneath it as well. Yeah, and you know Del Toro is looking around. He's not seeing anything except creepy, you know, gothic vibes in this in this crypt. He goes downstairs and dude slips on the fucking last step. And then inside the this in this catacomb is a room with a chair, straps, and candles already lit. So he was right behind Anthony Hopkins and dude already had time to go light these candles up. Yeah. Well, maybe let's get down to precision since this has been going on for yeah. a while. And Anthony Hopkins shows up, tell, tells him it's a shrine to his to his wife, to Del Toro's mom. He's very blasé about Del Toro as a kid seeing his dead mom. It's just like, oh, it sucks to be you. Mm-hmm. And, and he says you have to believe him, which he's still being vague here. There's no real specifics. Yeah. And like, no, I don't. I don't have to believe shit. Well, like, and then I will say they did kind of like this shot is framed as if Anthony Hopkins character is going to be like, hey, son, I'm going to provide help to you. I know what you're going through. And this is how we can handle it. But turn around and find out. Nope. Fuck you. Locks him out of the room, yeah. kicks him out and goes, the darkest hours of hell lie before you. And it uh. shuts the door. Oh, he said a really good line that I'm just entirely related to. He was like, look at my eyes and see that I'm dead. I'm like, man, I I entirely relate to that. 
You ever feel dead inside, Tracy? I have my moments, but probably not as much as most. And so we get the Wolfman transformation sequence. The ring socks fall off while Del Toro goes over the top, throwing himself around like, yeah, like, my God, like if you ever watched Honeymooners, Dick Van Dyke, shit like that, it was this level of over the top. And there, this is a CG transformation. This is again, not really good. It's not good at all. And it apparently is- so, a howl so loud that the entire town hears him. Yeah. Did you, did you read about who did this howl? No, who did it? They had Gene Simmons and David Lee Roth come in. Oh, wow. They just superimposed them together. That's yeah, neat. I mean, that's a quick way for them both of them to get 10 grand. Yeah, and there's so now he is the werewolf. He is transformed. He runs off to where the guys that are have been staging a ambush on him are waiting. The like so he's running toward toward him and he falls into a pit that they have dug out. And at the same time, another guy does too. Like a guy who helped make the pit. He what you say? Uh, fell into the pit. Yeah, he. he He's, gets, I got, he's just a mouse rat fan. That's all it is. Oh, he's a what? <laughs> a mouse rat fan. What's a mouse rat? Parks and Rec. I think I've never into, watched Parks and Rec. You've never watched. Wait, wait. The man who's in every TV no show, you've never seen Parks and Rec? Nope. I've watched like the first two seasons and I, for my public administration course I teach, um, I uh, show parts of the, I show several of those episodes but I'd, I've never watched the show all the way through. I would say, like, it's in season one when he sings it, but Mouse writes the name of Andy's band. Oh, okay. And you should watch it. Like, whenever you get done with the TV show, you're inevitably watching now. Watch it. The first season's and, but the rest of it's really good. Oh, you mean my binge watch of 2000 WCW? Oh. I am watching. I am in June right now of that fucking horrendous shit. And <laughs> bro, it is bad. It is bad. Is this uh, Vince Russo's at his strongest? This is Vince Russo teaming up with Eric Bischoff at their strongest. Oh, I bet so that's a, a it's wonderful. A, it's a fucking mess, dude. Oh, I can only imagine how horrible it is. The so the dude that followed into the pit gets slashed by Del Wolfo. And there's a split second of him in full makeup for the role because Del Toro did put on makeup. It wasn't just totally yeah. CG. And it does look good if you, if you could see it. Like, at this point, you should just show it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you made him do it all, but then it's like CGI, and that shit looked horrible. And so, it, you know, Del Wolfo just starts offing everyone there. Mm-hmm. One dude runs off into the woods, and then he runs into a swamp. Tries to get just kill himself so he doesn't have to suffer. Out of bullets. Out of bullets. <laughs> but and, I mean, but he it, suffers a quick death afterwards oh, yeah, like two seconds later. Uh, I mean, Del Toro took care of him. He was like, Oh, you don't wanna you don't wanna suffer, I gotcha. Well, and he just gets- knocks his head off, which there's another scene where a head gets knocked off. I think they should have saved it. 
Yeah. It should have been his fucking fatality move. Yeah. Like he should have just like bit the dude's throat out. Just I, I get what you're saying. I do want to say the transformation reminded me of the werewolf transformation in Underworld. Man, it's been so long since I've seen that. I have- like they are very similar beat for beat, except for the clothes stay on in this movie, Underworld, the clothes come off. Yeah. And that I mean there's a good tidbit here is that the clothes he's wearing stay on like in the original Wolfman, and it's very, mm-hmm. very much similar clothing esque. Yeah. That he was wearing in the movie and that original 1941. So yeah, I've only seen Underworld once. And I've never seen the sequels because I hated Underworld at the time. I might go back and check them out, but it didn't do it for me because it was right in that time that you also had like Blade Trinity, which would suck. Bring it I enjoyed Boy Trinity, even though half of it is just, I haven't seen it in like 12 years, even though half of it is just what's nice. Yeah, because Wesley Snobs like wouldn't do the movie. He's tax evading. <laughs> well, he didn't know. He was flat out wouldn't do the movie. So they had yeah. to have a stand in and then like he refused to do certain things. It, it's kind of, it was weird how that movie got made. I'm surprised it got made like, the way it sounds. At one point he was spreading around post-it notes instead of talking to people. I wonder if he knew, well, I'm about to spend some years in prison. And if he just knew it was coming. And Yeah, but that dude still pretty cool. So the next morning, Del Toro wakes up with blood everywhere, and he's inside of a tree. And his dad tells him that he's done terrible things, only to turn him in. I mean, this is such a weird fucking shot. Like that entire, like his dad finds him in the tree and goes, you fucked up. They're coming for you. And he comes out of the tree and they're already fucking there. That's because he ratted him out. I know. Like he's a bit of a distance. You're just like, what the fuck, man? Like can't even like throw him a bone, nothing. Don't even slow him down. Just like he's there. Hit him. I mean, with my ride or die friends, I'm like. Yo, what are we doing? What are we doing? When are we doing Stay it? in the tree. We'll, we'll take care of it. I, I'll take care of you. Man, this dad will fucking roll on him and like for everything. Yeah. I guess he's just really pounding in just how much he fucking hates Benicio Del Toro's character. So, Del Toro gets sent to the same asylum he was at previously that I mentioned earlier. And he's forced to dip in ice water. And fuck that. Yeah, like it's like oh it's like water boring dump the pump up to like 12. Oh, it's kind of like that whole bullshit ice bucket challenge. Do you remember that? Yeah, for ALS. Yeah. Just donate the money. Like save the time. Just donate got the money. More involved, and then more money got donated for ALS for their net year than <laughs> ever previously. I mean, was the outcome that it did good? Yeah, but that's not something I would do. I would not pour. Have you ever done a polar bear challenge? No, I haven't. It fucking sucks. But if you didn't want to do that, Matt, you could do the Patrick Stewart version. Hmm. He had a glass. He had a thing of ice with him. Oh, yeah, that's. And he he gets the tongs, puts ice cubes, pours some bourbon, and signs a check. (laughs) Exactly. That's the way to do it. Like, why couldn't they have, like, the ice cup challenge? There we go. Instead of like a whole big, or is this like the fucking, well, they didn't go try to go get uh, donations, but the damn milk crate challenge. Yeah. You remember, did you see those? 
It rings a bell. Like I'm... they, like I think it was like early on in the pandemic, or right in the middle of it. These people would like stack milk crates together, and then you would climb up, and then they fall every time. Uh, yeah, and it no, was fuck that. hilarious. I know that since I was like ten, I don't need to relive it. And they my need to. They need two to. Years later. They they should have attached like some kind of donation thing for that. Well, as outside of the GoFundMe's for the medical bills. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Again, another weird dream sequence. I didn't even write many notes on this, but I just wrote that, you know, it's a weird dream sequence. And he wakes up with his dad standing over him. And that's when yeah. you like at first I was like, is the dream over? And then because well, like, Emily character shows up, makes an appearance during the dream sequence. And it's like, I'm here to save you. I'm here to put you free. And then he sees himself in the mirror and turns into the wolf. Um you see him getting like electrocuted at this time too, and like not just like slightly electrocuted. It's damn near like we saw with Green Mile electrocuted. Like, hey, this should fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah, and but he, his dad is finally explaining what's going on. Anthony Hopkins was the one that contacted it first, and they go in a flashback sequence, and this is where somehow the same, you know little golem that he saw in his vision. I, I don't know how visions work, but I didn't know they just transferred like that. I think it's just a flashback, not a vision. I think it's just a no, flashback. Like, no, that's the flashback where we're oh. at right now. But earlier he had that vision. Oh, with the golem, seeing him gone. Yeah. It's the same yeah. person. Maybe they just want to make it more noticeable. But And, and come to find out, he... Anthony Hopkins was the one who killed his wife. Uh-huh. And we see the actual cause of death during this time, too. Yes. And Anthony Hopkins said, but she didn't kill herself with a razor. Anthony Hopkins, as a wolf, bit out his throat. Or bit out her throat. Yeah. And Del Toro tells him that he should kill himself. And Anthony Hopkins is like, ah, I've thought about it, but life's too far glorious for the cursed. No wonder yeah. people like Donald Trump still stay alive. Yeah. I maintain that like a lot of people like hatred, even though it ages you horribly, like in the facial features, keeps you alive forever. Yeah. And you find out what also kept his brother and why Ben was killed. And this is where you find out Anthony Hopkins' character has an interest in Gwen himself because it reminds him of his late wife. Mm-hmm. Or that Emma Blunt reminds him of her late, of his late wife. And that Ben was saying he, him and Gwen were leaving that Anthony Hopkins got drunk and knocked out Singh. And what had happened previously at Full Moons is Singh would lock him in that crypt that we saw. But with Singh knocked out, I don't know why Anthony Hopkins couldn't lock himself in the fucking crypt because he's a asshole but since he got walked in the crib Anthony Hopkins killed his son and this is where the I was like in in this movie universe is this is every night a fucking full moon I just took it as every time it was a full moon we have 20 days elapsed in the story yeah that's what I, I mean I surmise that but I'm like they didn't really you had to infer that which you know cool I'm cool with that but I'm just like at the same time, it didn't. So Del Toro's been in this asylum for the whole cycle, been getting electrocuted and all this shit. And they, it, the way it's edited and stuff makes it look like it only been a few days. So we get the second transformation. 
And he's brought into this observation room with a bunch of doctors. Hugo Weaving shows up there to observe too. And this doctor that has been overseeing Del Toro is talking some mad shit to him, talking about how everything is fake. What he's been saying is bullshit. He won't become a werewolf. Yeah. But then he does. <laughs> and he's like, you got to get me out of this room, doc. Nope. Got to get me out of this room. It's going to go bad. Like he's transforming and this doctor is just talking, not even looking over. And everybody's and just looking like, um, dude, they're trying to tell him. And the doctor's just yelling louder and louder, trying to drown them out as it's yeah. happening. They try to tell the doctor no one's running. Like if I saw one fucking thing out of place, I'd have probably been bolting. Yeah. Personally, this CG transformation is actually worse to me than the first one. Oh, this one is bad. I marked this as bad in my notes. It's yeah, like, mm. because now you're doing it. Now you're having to do it in a lighted area, a yeah. more well-lit area, rather. And yeah, it does not, doesn't work. It doesn't. And this this whole scene is ass wonky any fucking way because like there's the panic of the mob trying to escape and then oh look the doors to leave come open inward instead of outward and so everybody's stuck in here for the most part and like the head psychiatrist that you see through the scenes the asylum that's I'm calling, using the word psychiatrist loosely that's been fucking with him is trying to escape from the door and gets off and then he jumps out of a fucking window which is like really like no, he throws he, that dog he throws a doctor out the window yeah and then he jumps out of the same window i figured he would have just killed everybody in that fucking room well i think he had like on his mind about you know i'm gonna go kill my fucking father yeah and so we get this london escape sequence and this is where it's like ha werewolf in london <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, now Del Wolfo is running the rooftops and this he's in the middle of London, like straight in the middle of it. Yeah. And Hugo Waving's like starts chasing him and he stops to get his partner and tells the policeman to get everyone else. And these two, like his partner and this policeman are standing there talking to women, presumably to either harass them for sex over sex work or to get to purchase sex work. Basically, if you know how, like, some police officers do things in small-town America. Or everywhere in America. Yeah. Like, I remember from where we're from, there was this one guy that would pull women over and and either say, and tell them that you can either give me a handy J or PJ or you can get a ticket. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, it did help when the marriage were covering up. Yeah, yeah, yay! Small town bullshit. And now he's now he's working a county over in a different department. Yay! Wait, he is. So Hugo Weaving starts chasing the state, chasing the wolfo, and they're in the middle of the city now amongst people, and there's weird green screen scenes in some of this because they uh-huh. did it on a set. Man, you kind of have to because. London doesn't look like that now, but he stops in front of a moving double decker bus. It swerves and runs a man over, <laughs> and that and, like which tips shit. it over at the same time. 
Del Toro just starts killing everyone in it, just going to town. And he runs, but he runs off and he's met by Hugo and a group of officers. Hugo Weaving tells them, stay steady. But they do not stay steady. They jump the fuck out the way. Probably like I would do if I had a, you know, a humongous fucking fur creature run toward me. Oh, it's not worth that bullshit. You know, Del Toro jumps over all of these police officers, Blue Lives Matter or some shit, because he doesn't kill them. He kills everybody on the bus. Yeah. But not the, and it kills the innocents, but it won't kill the the cops people shooting. shooting at him. But he manages to hide under, like, pretty much the London Bridge. Uh-huh. And that's another, you know, blue screen, green screen scene, because that's where he's st- sitting there is, you know, real. And then outside of that, where the river is, is fake. Yeah. And it really reminiscent of uh, how some scenes in Sherlock Holmes looked with You're about the Robert Downey Cumberbatch? Jr. Oh, no. OK, like where they're, you know, set back then. But they don't. I mean, yeah, it doesn't I look see what good. And the next morning he, you know, runs off to Gwen's antique store, which hold um, up. You skip over the nastiest fucking thing I saw in this movie. He drank straight from the River Thames. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He did. He just started drinking from that fucking river, which is probably 80-20 poo. 80-20? It's probably 20% water, 80% or 40% poo, and 40% coal ash. Like, it's yeah. on whatever factory's dumping into it at the time like no. oh it is definitely not drinkable water and oh, he's not at all this is where the this is where the credits start rolling because he died of dysentery so he runs off and out of nowhere you see emily blunt return to this movie and she has an antique store that ha- i don't think has been mentioned the whole fucking time and he's hiding under, he broke in, like, there's no break glass broken or anything. And she's under, or he's under this bench in the corner. Yeah. I guess that's another special wolf power for people that get well, lycanthropy. I guess. Just disappearing unless you want to be seen. It's like turning sideways. And he also has clean clothes. So did he, you know, Pull someone into an alley and beat the shit out of them for clothes. I guess. I mean, we couldn't smell him, so he probably smelled like shit. So, well, yeah, he probably bathed in that river too. He tells her that it, you know, yo, my dad did everything. He started this movie. Yeah, he killed. He killed your man. It's like it's all his fault. Don't blame it on me. It's all him, not me. Him. I'm. But I'm he, innocent. But he turned me into a monster as well. So, but Emily Blunt wants to help him. Because that means everything is real and she can find a way to stop it. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know, but then they have their fucking moment and I'm like, put the dick away, dude. This is your brother's ex-fiance. Like, and yeah, because he tells her that he's envied his brother this whole time. Again, uh, when we're talking about timeline, this is only like a few months later. She didn't even know that he knew about her at the same time. I didn't know he knew about her until they met. I mean, yeah, it's like, like again, like a bunch of like 
dude, you're being a little creep right now. She begs him one last time to stay. And this is where they have their first kiss. Yeah. And it's Hugo Weaving and his whole gang crew show up. Yeah, because somehow Hugo Weaving has GPS tracking in the 1800s. I love the scene where he invites Hugo Weaving into the house. And then you see the dude behind Hugo. I don't know if the actor or what was like starting to step in and she just shuts the door in his face. Oh, yeah. I love a good (laughs) door slam on people. I was just like, huh? The best one to me has always been uh, the movie Friday. Uh I think it's the movie. Yeah. Whenever he slams a door on Jehovah's Witnesses. (laughs) it's <laughs> like slam oh, uh, i've got a jehovah witness story not jehovah's like latter-day saint story for you oh about you did two, about two months ago 9 30 at night or like 8 45 they show up at the door ring or hit our ring button and we're like hi like hello and we're like, yes can you come out here to, you know whatever talk to us i'm like uh no what do you want and we're like we're here to spread the gospel and i'm like go away we're not saying, but how are you not interested if you don't know what i'm talking about I'm like uh, what are you here for then, right? Latter day Saints. I'm like, yeah, not interested. But, but we want to save you. And I'm like, go the fuck away, dude. Just leave. I can't even see you right now. It's so dark outside. <laughs> oh, I've had them come to my place too. And they're like, wanting to talk to my oldest daughter. And I'm like, do y'all not have anything better to do? Please. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous how that. And then sometimes I had like this old, old woman. Like, come uh-huh. up to me, come up to my apartment, the Jehovah's Witness, like, one to talk. Like, I don't want to have a conversation with you. Go away, please. I, I'm going to oh. be polite about it, but you need to go. When we lived over there down the road from the Jehovah's Witness building, it was like every, like, six months, somebody on our door. All right, can we tell you about the, the, the gospel? No, go away. And he showed, but Hugo Weaving is showing these newspapers, like, newspapers to her. Yeah. Of the attack. And I'm like, you had an artist do that in like less than a few hours. Already in the press. Already pressed. Okay. And he, but at one point he thinks he's hiding behind a mirror and it's just a decoy. And they talk. I don't get how he confused them because you kind of see it and it kind of looks like when he, he shoots the mirror thinking it's Benicio de Toro's character. And then you see it's just little small statue. And it's like, how did you get that mixed up between Benicio's legs and those <laughs> legs? Yeah. So he gets out, he escapes, and she starts researching lycanthropy. And because this got was those a real books. book. Huh? I was going to say, because she's got those books laying around. Like, this is how I can research lycanthropy. Apparently, uh, apparently this is a real book, too. Yeah, the upswelling of music here really shows that this is a Danny Elfman score. Uh huh. Which, looking at Wikipedia, apparently they brought him in to do it. They weren't originally happy with it, so they brought somebody else in who went real synth heavy. And then they're like, mm, "Never mind, we're going with Elfman." <laughs> yeah, they they were like, "No, no, dude, we're gonna go back to this." So they had to like piece it together and other things. If you ever listen to any of his scores from a Tim Burton movie. It sounds like this, just a little different. And again, this is the morning after, presumably. Uh-huh. And it takes him a month to walk home. I mean, it's such a random mass. Like, you just see him just random spot walking. Yeah, Fucking he's a, walking. He's just taking his time. 
like getting back to his because he's got a blood vendetta against his dad and he's just yeah. ch- just doesn't try to steal a horse or anything just takes his time he's just bowling over ways to fuck him up yeah and which which granted, is granted funny because it takes her longer to get there well she's doing all the research for him she because she goes to talk to the romani and talks to the woman that helped her save him finds out there's no cure and the romani woman is just like good luck peace within a moon cycle del toro finally gets back home and he finds that Singh is dead at the same time she's traveling by train and it still took her longer which i don't get because it took her that long to find the Romani woman. So this, this is where I've got a question. Does it does lycanthropy only happen to rich rich English people? For this story purpose, yes. I think I like where where's the where's the poor dude that gets lycanthropy? Where, was, where's the poor he was werewolf? Alive. Let's make that movie. The poor werewolf. The impoverished werewolf. And Del Toro gets armed here. Meanwhile, for some reason now, Anthony Hopkins is stalking around like it's Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Like, well, Del Toro, gets, oh, go ahead. Del Toro gets the bullets that he had specifically to keep Anthony Hopkins in check. Yeah. And this whole ordeal, fucking, um, also Hugo Weaving and his crew has set up a perimeter around town to keep the Talbots from, or keeping the family from causing too much of a ruckus. Um, and Benicio finds Anthony Hopkins in the sitting in a chair in front of a fire. Oh, you, pulls, you didn't, you didn't talk about the jump scare. I didn't mark it on here. Oh, where he's walking around this house and he goes into this dark room and this jump scare actually got me. I was like, cause I was, I guess I wasn't expecting it, but it was the dog that was sitting like laying um, right beside the bed in total darkness, jumping out. Yeah. Well, I saw it. I'm like, that's going to be the fucking dog. I saw the jump scare coming. I was like, that's going to be the dog. That's too easy not to be a jump scare. So he finally hears Anthony Hopkins finally snugged out, like accomplished the mission, got down to the piano room. And he's playing some music again. This time, like you see bloody fingerprints. And yeah. I, I I mean cool visual, but how? He killed the guy that Hugo Weaving had sent there. The oh, yeah, that's right. But it was only on his fingerprints. Yeah. Well like, he just needed to, it wasn't here. It was it was he just he got him without front hands, just but he killed him as a human. Well he and also could have been seeing. I also could have been seeing as well, because I assumed he killed seeing because it looked like his eye had been ripped out and Throw a bit cut and he was hung. Yeah, like that's was- right. And but Anthony Hawkins repeats that prodigal son l- line from earlier. We get it, dude. You hate your son. And this is where we get into the final fight sequence. Yeah. Because the Benicio tries to shoot him with Singh's gun and it fails. Yeah, he had taken the powder out. When the gun fails, you get the moments that you kind of been building up for the entire movie of Wolf v. Wolf. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how the magic of it works that Anthony Hopkins turns into a wolf like a second sooner than Benicio del Toro does. Sure, why not? They get hit at the same time. I guess he's older, more in tune with his wolf self. 
So again, this is another part where the CG is a major miss, but the practical oh, effects are nice. Yeah. The fight choreography is bad as well. I was not a fan of the fight. Oh, you weren't? No, I don't think it was that good. It was very... I don't know. It's like they jump after each other and like, here, I'm going to spin through the fucking air as I jump after you. Yeah. And so we get mayhem in the palace, daddy V son. And by God, that is Anthony Hopkins music. Yeah. Like some JR is like, need some Jim Ross commentary on this. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's, it's Anthony Hopkins. It's, a, it's a slobber knocker. It's a slobber knocker. He's you. He, he made a deal with the devil. And oh, I mean, and it's a short fight. It doesn't take long at all because we no. are, we are hitting the high notes in this movie. We're trying to get through it. Yeah. We, we don't have time because we have to wrap this up. Del Toro kicks him in the fireplace, which then he has to get, he had to hit the up, down, A, B, left, right fatality on. The inflames Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, the like, and this is bad because Anthony Hopkins didn't do this scene. Obviously, he was, you know, he's old. It was a stuntman. Yeah. So they like, superimpose his face. Yeah, like, and it's like he's halfway like he got set on fire, so he's starting to untransform as well. And you're getting this weird like. I just grayish, thought that was his hair was wild. burning off. I took it as he was starting to untransform, like damn, too much damage taken, kind of like attack on Titan. <laughs> uh, and but he gets that decapitation kill again, and this time it's bad because they didn't use obviously they didn't make a physical prop head like they did in the earlier scene. Yeah, and it <laughs> looks bad. It looks really bad. It looks a lot like. The first CGI edits that George Lucas did for Job to Hunt and New Hope, to where remember when he walked around. Oh Han, God, yes. And when he and he like, or when Han walked around Jabba, and he you'd see like that random ass like Mario paint shift up, step and shift down, like that's what the head looked like. Like it was literally just like they took the head, didn't even do anything with it, and just drug it across the screen. Like that's how they got that shot. Yeah, it, it uh, again, this is where in that featurette they were talking about how good it was. And I'm like, do you know what the definition of good is? Was it good? I mean, it, it wasn't. Movies in the early 2000s with lower budgets had better CGI than this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So but, we get, so he's killed her and, or killed. So he's killed Anthony Hopkins. It's still not the end of the movie because now we have one loose end to tie up. Gwen yeah, shows two up. Loose end to tie up. Yeah. Gwen shows up because it's time, like she it's time to end this movie. So and Hugo Weaving is saying, Yep, it's time to go. But he's attacked while she tries to run off from this movie, quite literally. And we get to this cliff where she's wait waiting for him because well, she has nowhere to go other than Whoa down to death. Did you say he attack or Hugo Weaving attacks? Well, he attacked Hugo Weaving. Okay. Yeah. He, some, he it registered in my brain as if you said 
Hugo weaving attack, which she did, so it made sense. But and she okay. tries to convince him not to kill her because he remembers her, and he kind of does. But then the mob starts showing up, and she realizes she has to kill him. Uh-huh. So she caps her second love in a year off with a silver bullet to the heart. Yep. And if she loved him, she set him free. Yeah. I guess that's the cure for it. Death. I guess so. I mean, the, the death cures a lot of problems. I mean, and that's dark as fuck. Sorry. What'd you say? You can, I said death cures a lot of problems. I mean, it does. I mean, you're not wrong. But it sometimes causes problems, but sometimes yeah. it helps. Uh, suicide. If you, I just suicide prevention hotline. If you nine eight eight, reach out. He tells her he has to die, and he thanks her. Like, thank you for killing me. I appreciate it. She, he can't say, please, ma'am, can I have another? Because can't die twice. And I'm just laughing my ass off at the way he passes. Because it's very much like a stage play death. Overly pro- dramatic. But right after his last word, he's just like, he just kills over. Looks <laughs> so like, goodbye. And not even dramatic pause, like, like with the shaking of the hand or anything, like. Wouldn't know what that was. When he died, that's when in Benicio's mind that the money he got paid for this movie ran out and his time was allotted at hit. And he's just like, I'm done. Yeah, time for me to go do Sicario because I need, I need money. She has this final narration, some bullshit, about when a man stops being a man and a beast starts. Yeah, and you also see Hugo Weaving pick up the family kid, the Talbot family cane, and which is where they hand at that proverbial sequel that they were yeah. trying to set up. Yeah, and then we get every movie we've done so far, except for Green Mile, has been stylized credits, hasn't it? I think so. Not Running Man. Yeah, I guess you're right. So we like knee deep in these stylized credits and this is one where it did not belong. Like, I don't get why they did it. They they had some extra money to spend. I mean, I feel like they were trying to do an homage to I thought this was going to be more like the original and kind of more of like a homage to it, so I thought they might have been a little more respectful to the source material What I No. I mean, it's kind of like Contemporary movie that I'm about to bring up. Have you seen the Monsters trailer? I have not, but I it don't doesn't look good. I mean, it's a Rob Zombie movie. Well, in Devil's Rejects, good. I mean, for the most part, but A Thousand Corpses was not good. That oh, was I, just gory. I haven't seen House of a Thousand Corpses in a long time. It wasn't good. I mean, his face. I mean, Halloween was okay. But, I mean, his Leatherface wasn't good. Wait, he did. Wait, he did Leatherface? I think he did one of the reboots on Leatherface. I mean, did it have his wife in it? Never mind. He did. No, he Well, he did do a, uh, he did do a werewolf trailer. Werewolf Woman of the SS. Yes, which 
if I can remember correctly, it was actually pretty good. Um, uh-huh. Like if you like, you've never seen Grindhouse, but Grindhouse is actually two movies in one. It's uh, Death Proof with Kurt Russell and uh-huh. Planet Terror. Direct yeah. uh, one's directed by Quentin Tarantino, the other one's directed by Robert Rodriguez. And in between, they have these fake trailers for movies. One of uh-huh. which they actually made. Two of which they actually made. Machete with Danny Trejo. If you remember, if you, I remember that. Yeah, like that had, made. And they also made Hobo with a Shotgun. But this Monsters movie, dude, it doesn't look good. It looks like an ABC Wide World of Disney fucking thing that you would watch in 1998. Oh, I'll have it, to watch the trailer. But it, it is not going. Go go check it out. It's. If you're a fan of monsters, you're probably this one's gonna probably not be good for you. Or were they trying to make it as a comedy, or were they? Well, the monsters has always been comedy. Well, I mean, is he trying to go more horror with this, or is no, 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 no? It's comedy. That's where you fucked up. It's a sequel to, or not a sequel. It's a prequel to the TV show. Ah, gotcha. At first, I was like, oh, let's do this. And then I saw the trailer and I'm like, no, let's not do this. Go back. Go back in time. Please. What do you think about it? So I was expecting more horror from this movie, just kind of looking at the synopsis and stuff that's online before I watch it. Like horror in what way? Like gore or gothic horror? I was kind of expecting more jump scary, more kind of like not like gothic-y, like, or you know what I'm saying? Like, I was kind of expecting to, to be more, I wasn't expecting to be the grindhouse horror shit that hit the U.S. in, like, mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that, but kind of more thriller-ish. Like, there's a little more, like, dealing with less unknown, much more is revealed later on and, like, later in the third act kind of aspects of it. Um, similar to, like, a little more on edge, and it seems like the only horror aspect here is like, here's this random ass jump scare. Like, this for me on the horror level felt more like Multiverse of Madness, the link something recently I've watched, like how mm-hmm. horror I thought it was comparatively, mm-hmm. instead of like Friday 13th, Halloween kind of deal, where it's, it's not as much psychological as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was real bland. If you want to see a Wolfman movie, see the original. Uh huh. It's only 70 minutes long. So like a lot of those movies back then were not like an hour and a half, two hours. I don't mind movies being remade, but you got a time to take care of the property at the same time to do it justice. Like, I don't mind if you want to take liberties with it. Miss Marvel is taking liberties because now she's a mutant. She's not an inhuman. And that's, you know, that's why the Brendan Fraser mummy movie works. Uh huh. And that's why the Tom Cruise piece of shit mummy doesn't. Yeah. Like, cause like that mummy though, I remember watching that. I, there were moments that movie was like, holy fuck. Which one? Or the mummy, the Brendan Fraser, the original one. Like oh, there yeah. were moments that it scared me as a kid when I was, I mean, it came out. I was 10 when it first came out. Holy shit. Damn. I'm old. <laughs> I mean, you're three years older than me, two, three. That came out in 99, dude. Yeah, yeah it came out in 99, and it came out on May 4th. Yeah, I was 10 years old when this came out. Holy shit. 
And so, like, there, but, there were kind of parts of that that kind of spooked me. Or, like, as a kid, I remember the aliens from Independence Day gave me fucking nightmares. In this movie, you get, like, split seconds of the Wolfman. And it's not until later that you see it fully. Which, when you see it fully, Benicio Del Toro in makeup looks really good. And I'm not a fan of the teasing. Like, tease it for a little while, for the first act, maybe. Shadows, shit like that. Then... Do your thing because everybody's there to see the Wolfman. They're not there yeah. to see a convoluted fucking love story. Yeah, like what it gone the two thousand Godzilla the that one like didn't they like here's Godzilla like in like the first five minutes? You talking about the Matthew Broderick one? Yes. Okay, because I know like the big difference of why a lot of people considered why that one didn't do so well while the one with um. Jackass or the guy kick, ass. kick ass. Yeah. yeah. Why it did so well is because you really don't see Godzilla until like the end of the second act and start of the third act. Oh man, that but that movie did so bad. Like because they show barely show Godzilla throughout that whole movie. And the new, the, the new one. Well, but you it builds up to it. It builds up to that man, they, man, there was a whole last scene where they like they're showing him and he's about ready to go Godzilla about ready to do Godzilla things. And then they shut the door. And you're talking about the 2014 one. Yeah. That was like a major complaint about that movie. That's why in the next one, like you saw Godzilla. Yeah. Well, I kind of like that build up to it. Cause when you get yeah, to reveal, but at a certain point, you have to stop the build up. Yeah. And, and they show did it. That they did, and they did do that. The second half. No, they didn't. Because uh, you, the first time you see full-on Godzilla in that movie is when they airdrop in, and then you see his silhouette in the background, and then you see him step through the cloud, and then he lets out his Godzilla roar. Yeah, but then he goes away. Like they, that's they, all you need in that. Though. No, you but, need man, people do not go see kaiju movies for fucking humans. Like the first one, I get that. Now the other ones, yeah, I want to see Godzilla a lot because it's no longer for that story in there and like godzilla kong they did that right because you know why we got three matches of godzilla versus kong it wasn't just a one-off and another issue i had with this was you know del toro really tries his best but he's trying to fill a role that was played better by lon cheney using the original screenplay as a shell and then adding things like the kid bullshit or even anthony hopkins is john talbot yeah that wasn't in the original. In the original, he was like more concerned for his son. Uh-huh. He, he didn't become his son. His dad did not become a werewolf in that movie. At, and at times here, Hawkins just really seemed like he was phoning it in. Like he had some killer fucking lines. But if he had been, you know, had that Alan Rickman sassiness to it. Yeah, it would have. I think he would have been come off much better. Like well, as that, like he's. Completely an asshole in this movie, but he needs yeah. to be like show he's an asshole at the same time. Yeah. Well, like it seems like the scenes for Andy Hopkins, like the scenes he enjoyed, like you kind of feel like he enjoyed being in. Like you kind of tell, but the scenes he's like, and I don't give a shit about this scene. Like he kind of, you can well, tell he phoned that in. Yeah. I mean, but if you've ever seen like, oh, what, whichever Transformers he's in. The last night it's the fifth one yeah where he is like you could tell he thanks for the paycheck oh well, he, yeah he was yeah it's why i think they gave him that robot in that movie but kinda, at the same but at the same time he's doing 
Westworld and is phenomenal in it. Trying to go darker isn't always better. Like no. this, Eric, everybody hates this dude, hates fucking Del Toro in this movie, except for Emily Blunt. Uh huh. And like this dude has like all this tragic backstory bullshit and establishing this triangle relationship between or quadruple relationship, this rectangle relationship. I don't know what you want to call it. A fucked up story that like all, all three Talbots being attracted to Emily Blunt's character. Took way too long. Yeah, it took up way too much time. Um, and I feel like they just hand fisted in just to have a storyline, have a romantic storyline, which I hate when movies do that and shows do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the soundtrack was okay overall. Wasn't nothing to write home about, but it wasn't fantastic either. It was just kind of there. Would you recommend? No, I would not recommend this. I, uh, this movie is. That Zangief thumb in the middle for me. I'll take it or leave it. I didn't dislike it, but I didn't like it. I'm not going to watch this movie again. This is just going to be a movie that's, oh, I saw it. I, if somebody brings it up, I know what they're talking about, but I don't think I'm ever going to rewatch it. Yeah, same. I'm not going to recommend it. Yeah. Now, if somebody's like, I'm a big Anthony Hopkins fan, I want to see everything. Well, check this out. It's well, not- I mean, then do you. Yeah. I like, like what you like. It's not something like something that I'm gonna recommend. Recommend. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I'm gonna be a hard not recommend either. Let's just screw this in the middle. <laughs> Put the money where the mouth is. So what we got on next week's show? Next, our six degrees separation continues. And I chose Mr. Benicio del Toro as the connecting point in this movie. And the movie I chose was the 2003 movie with Tommy Lee Jones, The Hunted. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it. It's been a couple of years, so a little while since I saw this. And I really enjoyed it. And so until next time, I've been Matt. And I've been Tracy most of the night. Please like our podcast, share with your friends, share it with your enemies, even. Follow us on social yeah. media. Y'all be good. Everyone.